Oh, we should fucking sing a theme tune. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Unicycle Life Podcast. Do, 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 do. Time for podcasting and unicycling. Do, 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 do. Welcome to the Unicycle Life Podcast. This is, I guess you could call this the pilot episode. Um, we just wanted to get some content out where we just talk about unicycling. I don't think there's a Unicycle Life uh, a unicycle podcast? No, um, I know of. No, so we thought it'd be a cool, a cool thing to do. Maybe some people are interested in it. Uh, we've made it downloadable as well, so you can put it on your MP3 player of choice. Wow, MP3 players. Does it, does anyone have an MP3 player? I do. I feel like do people download things anymore? No, it's all just sort of streamed now because everyone's got unlimited data. Yeah. Okay. SoundCloud up the thing. It's fine. You could. Okay, then I you guess you could stream on SoundCloud, it. SoundCloud download. You can it on your iPod Shuffle out on a ride. Yeah, man. I, I still have a, an iPod. Other clippable music devices are available. Yeah. So, um, I guess I should introduce the speakers. My name's Ed Hawks. Um, I've been riding for 16 years. I ride mainly trials and streets. Um, we've also got Simon Berry on the mic. What's up? <laughs> My name's Simon. I've been unicycling for 11 years and... Uh, Ride slash organise slash party a lot with the STFU boys. Um, I mean, if you're into STFU, you may have known that already. STFU. But if you're new, welcome. Hopefully, you'll enjoy these chats. And uh, I was going to say learn something, but this isn't really a workshop. <laughs> you'll probably come away from this knowing less than you did coming in, but it might be enjoyable. You'll know a hell of a lot more shite. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> and and also, well, uh, you can't see, but I'm looking to my left. We've got Duncan Cod in the house. All right. Um, I've been riding for about seven years, I think. Uh, I mainly do Muni, um, but I do go along to SDFU rides just for the for the people, not for the riding. For the dance. For the uninitiated, Duncan Cod is the king of revs. <laughs> Duncan will rev literally anything yesterday at the stfu january ride <laughs> at adrenaline alley i saw him rev a 29er goonie in gear and i thought the earth was going to start turning backwards <laughs> the inertia involved would put many planets out of their orbit yeah yeah uh, just a note they are all completely unplanned revs i can't <laughs> rev on demand duncan can't UPR. hop and main t and like stop pedaling <laughs> Dun duncan has to continue pedaling at all times and that includes when he's in the air <laughs> um so yeah the plan is to do these episodes um periodically i guess and um hopefully we'll have like different guests on as well that'd be cool uh mike taylor was supposed to be on this episode but unfortunately he had to go home after the ride so hopefully we'll get mike on one of these soon um and i think i'm just going to go straight into we're just going to talk about random unicycle topics that are kind of current i guess um and the the big one at the moment is the new impact team and actually i don't know if the new impact team if it's public knowledge yet but uh, this might come out just after the the announcement let's just hope that roger is fine with us yeah uh, being the first people to announce this <laughs> so yeah roger if you're listening sorry if you didn't want us to talk about this but we're talking about it um <laughs> I've got. I've made some notes here, and I've got the list of the old factory team and the flow team. Um, the for those that don't know, the impact team was made up of like two teams, um, and I guess you could say uh, the factory team is kind of like the um, 
like oh how would you describe it? like the showroom um like the pro competition yeah. level yeah i guess you could describe it. it's like pro and am um so the the factory team um from the last year was mark fabian tim desmet mike taylor and mimo siedler um and then you've got the flow team which i guess is like the equivalent of amateur uh if you're familiar with bmx and skateboard stuff um and it was adam gerger clement oh, i always get this 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 name wrong clement clement pujol yeah that'll do um daniel ackerman eric winterfelt Ivar christensen louis stevens rue seegers and simon berry um so they were the old teams um <laughs> and then the new team is mark there's only one team now um so there's no there's no flow and there's no factory so we've only got the the impact team which is mark fabian tim desmet mike taylor mimo Siedler, and eric winterfeld which is a very strong team i think mm. i think that's a very strong team and yeah. i actually kind of like the fact that impact have like i would say streamlined the team yeah um where they've lost some good right well not lost i guess they've dropped some good riders i mean immediately looking at the old flow team list uh, Clement, he dropped some sick shit last EUC I went to. Yeah, he, Clement is a. I mean, he very very good rider. Yeah, thinking to back to EUC last year when he was trying to do like a catch one eighty double flip down that eight foot slash two point five meter drop. Yeah, it was insane. Um, but I guess there's more to being a sponsored rider than breaking stuff in comps <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and i think if you look at the new the new list compared to the old team um all the riders on there are like consistently good yeah and very like very active on social media and riding impact y- yeah um i mean it's very trialsy as well the new team that's good to see though with the exception because... of mimo yeah i guess so i think um... trials needs the boost sometimes a bit more <laughs> yeah Unless videos posted in it so by the incentive of giving people yeah an impact team i feel like trials has had like a little bit of a lull over the last maybe like three or four years yeah um hopefully though a team like this will take us out of the lull yeah i mean when you um when you look at the mad team uh it's very like flatland and street oriented so maybe you say that but uh, Jonas, Jonas, Jorgensen, yeah. Pierre, who does everything. Yeah, I guess Pierre's like a strong trials rider, yeah. Mm. Uh, it's nice to see trials is like still, yeah. there's still a very strong trials element there. Is Eric Winterfelt on the impact team? Yes, yeah, he's, yeah, he's on the Very strong, very, very strong. Yeah, mm. obviously, second to Mark, could have won as well at yeah. um, Unicorn last summer. Just um, the, in the dark eliminator. In fact, like yeah, <laughs> to, to be fair, between Mark and Eric, there's probably nothing. It's just down to who could ride that tiebreaker line, like the furthest. Yeah, in the dark. So yeah, so essentially, in my mind, Mark and Eric are probably like same level. Yeah, mm. it's a uh, just to sidetrack a bit. It's a shame to see. Well, it's not a shame to see. It's interesting to see Louis leaving the team. I think Louis could be a strong, uh, like factory condensed whatever we call it now yeah impact team member i don't know what the dialogue was there but louis is a really really good rider and that's not to say we won't see really cool stuff from this year just because he is not 
on the Impact team. Yeah. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if any power moves are made yeah. this year. I don't know if we'll move anywhere else or do some crazy yeah. things. Actually, it's um, it's very... I'm a, I'm a bit gutted that Adam, Adam's gone, actually. Oh, that's true. I really like Adam Gerge's trial style. It's, Is he on the flow team? He was on the old flow team, yeah, uh, which now doesn't exist. Um, so it's quite sad to see him gone. Yeah, I guess he's quite busy though with his his, his own projects. Yeah, he does yeah. have a lot of those on. Um, and I have left the flow team. I suppose this, <laughs> I should mention this if I'm here. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Otherwise, it looks like we're avoiding it. That's weird. <laughs> um, so I rode Impact Flow team for two years ish. Having ridden for UDC in general for about five years before that. Um, so now I've gone back to UDC more generally, uh, which is really great for me because I ride a lot of Impact and if I were to be brand loyal to one brand, it probably would be Impact. But my unicycle is like Impact, Nimbus, bits of KH, all that stuff. Um, so now I'm riding for UDC in general again, which is really nice and kind of aligns pretty well with kind of the general ambassadorship for the sport that I aim to do, and hopefully <laughs> yeah. do through like SGFU, various demo-y, media-y bits. Yeah. Thing. I mean, it's, it's, probably, it's probably worth mentioning as well that um, we mentioned the Impact team, but actually... I was going to say the impact team is very male orientated, but you've got Ruse who was on the old flow team and she's, I was going to say she's gone. She's not gone. She's actually moved to UDC brand ambassador, same as Simon. Yeah. Um, so it's not like there's no female representation. In fact, there's more because um, you've got the Nimbus team as well. Um, so you've got Freya on the Nimbus team and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce Freya's surname. Sort <laughs> <laughs> of dissolve the, uh, the flow team into a yeah in UDC team. Yeah, so it's not like the flow team's completely gone. It's just in a like a different form, I guess. Yeah. Um, I and, suppose what we should yeah. mention here is that we're talking about this with the knowledge that this is a family of brands. Yeah. If you're new to unicycling or just don't know the ins and outs of company structure, <laughs> which you could very easily not be. Um, Unicycle.com is obviously the main distributor worldwide of unicycles um, and essentially Unicycle.com owns and operates both Nimbus and Impact. Um, so a lot of these rearrangements are kind of internal. I almost. guess it's, yeah, it's like a structural um, change. But it's like a structural change for some riders, which um, means that Eva was on the flow team as well. He's now a Nimbus rider, which really fits his style because he's basically riding the Nimbus with a wide tyre and short cranks now, which is cool. Yeah. Um, which, so I was going to say, speaking of Ivor, we could probably talk about his video now. Um, what a segue, Ed. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen Ivar's new video, um, what's it called, True Level? True Levels. True Level. Um, you need to get on YouTube and watch it right now. Um it's, I mean, I don't ride Flatland at all. I don't even know the name of a lot of Flatland tricks. Um, so a lot of the, I was watching it this morning with Simon and a lot of the nuances just go straight over my head. I mean, I, I can look at it and know that the riding is next level. Um, 
even though I don't really know what's going on in front of me. Um, but some of the crazy like hand passes in it, um, and the way he like reaches around, <laughs> does, a re- yeah. does the reach around on his unicycle, um, <laughs> is just something that I've I mean, never uh, seen before. It didn't I take long. How, how long did that take? 13 minutes to get to... Uh, reach around. Some, yeah. Operation reach around. But yeah, I'm probably much more qualified than you in terms of Flatland, and even I'm looking at it like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's incredible to see somebody whose brain is so clearly different to everybody else's <laughs> in such a positive way, doing all this crazy Whoa. stuff. Like I'm just watching it now. And Duncan's watching it on his phone right now. The, yeah. Catch up. yeah, the reach rounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, oh. when I was watching it, I was thinking... Is anyone going to... Because quite often, uh, like, a revolutionary video will come out, like when um, Max Schultz did the the Max Whip or the Flip, and you think, holy shit, this is, like, groundbreaking. And then within the next year, there's, like, three or four people who have done the same kind of thing. Mm. When I was watching Ivar's video, I was thinking, is this something that's going to... We're going to see more of in the future, or is this so... um, I don't want to say revolutionary because it sounds a bit like dramatic, but is it is this so far ahead? Is it, do you think this is something we're going to see more of? I think it's basically starting a completely different school of flatland. Mm. Um, especially if we look back to old school flatland, which was just uni spinning and crank flipping on flat ground, and then Spencer brought brought in this revolution of rolling wraps and back rolls and stuff and then the European riders took that to another level and then I'd say in the mid 2010s the next revolution was kind of flatland riders increasing openness to freestyle tricks yeah um, because they're the same <laughs> <laughs> I tell you any different they're the same tricks um, yeah. which has been really cool so that opened up a lot of doors into like wheel walk and coasty things and I think um, coasting is something we'll talk about later on as well yeah but now Eva's style um, along with what Pablo's doing and there are a couple of other riders um, that I can't think of right now but there is kind of this growing school of really kind of to me it seems very artistic but yeah it's really kind of artistic but just mega creative stuff that I never even would have thought of. I'm really enjoying some of like the unicycle manipulation stuff. I mean, you're seeing a little bit of circus come back in, um, yeah. which is kind of, I don't know how I feel about that. I think um, we could do a whole podcast about that. Yeah. But there's the only, the only reason people get angry at the circus stereotype is because it's an incorrect stereotype of circus. And it's like, a stereotype of a stereotype of circus where it's like idiots in a big top. Yeah. And mm. any circus, anyone that does any type of art associated with the circus would be annoyed by association with that, I think. Yeah, true. Um, but to say something is like a circus art is in many ways like a massive, massive compliment to its... Yeah. Uh, to its like authority, essentially, because it's really cool and ambitious and creative and delivered well yeah um, but yeah especially in 
Eva's case, uh, he goes to a circus school and trains circus arts. Yeah, and, and he will be a circus performer. So that's definitely like, and that shows an influence. Um, but you could say the same about the influence from freestyle unicycling if you want to segregate the two. Mm. And I, so yeah, people get very shirty about that when it's really just tricks, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I'm I'm very much I used to be very open to the separation between the disciplines but now I'm like it's riding it's all riding yeah it's just riding a one-wheel bike not that this <laughs> podcast is a platform for my own agenda but <laughs> in my mind flatland and freestyle the tricks could be exactly the same yeah but flatland is, is as a discipline is the practice of doing tricks on flatland um and in a, in a competition scenario that's usually battles and freestyle is the practice of doing tricks on flat land, <laughs> but the competitions are based around like a routine that is choreographed, artistically delivered to costume, in costume, to music, etc. And the tricks are basically the same. You could do. I think you could feasibly win if we don't think about the fact that judges might be biased against what flat land in quotation marks is. Yeah. You could feasibly win. A freestyle competition if your choreography was great and your costume was sick and the music was good mm. doing all like traditional flatland again in inverted commas tricks you need to it's the, it's the flow that you get more yeah. of it in flatland no in freestyle and then again in a flatland competition you could do a lot of traditionally freestyle based tricks that still hit the grading criteria in a flatland comp as long as they're varied difficult and consistent yeah, and non-repetitive. But I think some of the reason that flatlanders get annoyed when freestylers enter competitions, enter flat competitions, is because they haven't necessarily understood the the full nature of competitions. So they don't always enter it with the right tactics. So they come into a battle and essentially do their freestyle routine. Yeah, which doesn't always hit the right criteria to be flat comp winning, and then creates this dissonance. I think the um like the mentality between riders and this isn't um this isn't like derogatory to either group um like the mentality of flatland riders is that you're riding together even though you're in a battle against another rider um you are kind of and I'm not in freestyle circles so maybe I just don't have the inside scoop on this this is like looking from an outside perspective from like a fl more of a flatland point of view um I feel like there's camaraderie between flatland riders um, where and like you're pushing the other person to do better tricks whereas when I've watched freestyle competitions it kind of looks like you are trying to win um, and I've probably got this totally wrong and twisted but it looks kind of like you just want to smash the competition <laughs> yeah, I, I can I'm, see I'm probably, I'm probably going to get a lot of freestylers jump on me now to say no that's totally bullshit but if you're a freestyler and you agree and or disagree please let us know because we're genuinely not yeah. informed on this and I guess that's because we're not from like a freestyle yeah. background yeah, but there. to me from the outside looking at a freestyle comp like it's very competitive and it's like when I watch a flatland competition I just see lots of very good friends yeah. trying to push each other to be better i think i it... mean there's a whole nother topic here for another podcast about the 
the nature of unicycle competitions as open competitions and then the phenomenon you can get from that is people entering competitions that they can kind of enter because they have the ability as maybe like a medal winning exercise to yeah. kind of hit as many comps as they can in that week when it's not necessarily something that they actually practice or do or you know yeah um, that is a with this. whole nother topic though but that's yeah the the nature of open competition and what that yeah involves is definitely a conversation for another day I think that's definitely something that needs to be addressed at, in unicycle competitions in general though yes um on that note, though, um, we should talk about 20-inch unicycles mm. because they've been making a massive comeback, especially in urban. Yes. Um, which is really cool to see. I really... I mean, I've, I've been riding a 20 for the last year and a half now. Um, and it's interesting that the 20-inch came back to urban with the KH Flatland. And when was that? Like, was that 2011? 09 or 10? Yeah. I think it was 09. Possibly. Because um, I remember seeing Spencer riding it. Um, and I don't know. Well, Spencer, if you're still riding um, and even listening to this, then I apologise. But I haven't seen Spencer ride for a long time. He, I guess he, just because he doesn't ride on social media doesn't mean he doesn't ride. But. Um, at Spencer Hotberg. Oh, I wish I could tag people with my voice. <laughs> <laughs> At Spencer Hotberg. Yeah. Let us know if you're still riding, please. Um, but yeah, like, I guess he was... He was the first person I remember seeing riding the KH20. Um, yeah, he developed it with Chris quite yeah. intensely. With the shorter cranks as well. Yeah. And then it kind of died and just went away. People um, experimented with it for a while. I remember Eli was riding a 20. I think he enjoyed it. Um... That was when people were riding the stock tyre that came with the KH as well, generally. Which it, I think was a Maxxis Grifter. It was a Grifter, yeah. It was a 2.1 and it looked a bit shit. Yeah. Um, but I think but that also, reflected the the parts that were available at the time. Yeah, that's Like true. BMX, that was like one of the widest BMX tyres you could get. Mm. And I think probably the return of the 20-inch um, coincides with the availability of wide BMX tyres. Yeah. I mean, if you ride any modern BMX, it feels like a big fucking fluffy marshmallow because the tyres are so massive. Um, and I think that's definitely what has helped uh, the return of 20 inches yeah. in unicycling. And then years ago, I don't really know why, but people riding 20 inch units were kind of chased out of town <laughs> and accused of cheating in their flatland tricks. <coughs> um, excuse me. It chased out of town for their flatland tricks because it was in some way cheating because the wheel was lighter or whatever. Um, ignoring the fact that even those riding 19 inches were trying to build the lightest dune possible. Yeah. yeah. So it was like if you landed a quad flip on a 20 inch, it didn't count because it wasn't on a 19. It, what? Which That's blows bizarre. my mind. Um, but hopefully we've be- the community's become much more... I like to think we've got past that. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely an association between the growth of like 2.4 inch fat BMX tyres... Yeah. And Yoon's. Also, availability of rims. Mm. Yeah. Uh, when you started riding, Ed, on a 20-inch, you had to find a K- an old KH. Uh, yeah, I had I had real trouble sourcing a wide enough rim. Yeah. And that was, like, only 18 months ago. I'm riding a KH that came out just before the Impact 20-inch came out. Um, but until then, there was nothing, like, 47mm wide and 20-inch that was 
easily available. Yeah. And now Impact and Madform both produce a 47mm wide 20 inch rim. Which I think is probably more what's changed the game for us as unicyclists. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the availability of wide tyres has helped, but yeah, the rims becoming available has really helped the growth of 20 inch, I think. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I was thinking about this the other day. Um, BMX, I, I'm from a BMX background, for anyone that doesn't know. Um, BMX, or what people call mid school BMX now, is kind of the era that I grew up in. And bikes were really heavy. Um, like you'd have like a 40 pound bike with four pegs, uh, like a big 36 tooth chainring. And it would, yeah, it would weigh like an absolute ton. And the riding styles reflected that. Um, but ev- when bikes got lighter um, and tires got wider, uh, people started running less pegs, less brakes. Like the riding style changed. And I can see a direct like parallel in unicycling with the 20 inches. Um, people have like you could probably say the the BMX riding style developed because everyone's riding is just generally cleaner in modern riding, yeah. and I think the same thing has happened in unicycling where mm. cranks have got shorter, which has resulted in people riding smoother. Yeah, it's a bit less forgiving to ride shorter cranks, but for me, when I'm riding twenty inch with one tens on. A 19 inch is more forgiving with long cranks, but that's why my riding style is so rubbish for years because I was doing like 900 sides and landed on a squishy tire with long cranks and I'd almost be forced to hop out. Like, obviously you could land clean, but if you landed heavy on a bouncy tire, it's really hard not to make that bounce out. Yeah. Whereas if I do a trick now, um, I either kind of land it clean or don't land it. Yeah. So it's a bit less forgiving, but the result is that um, everything looks a bit cleaner. Yeah, I think my riding looks way better on the U than riding now than it did when I was riding it. I think the short cranks also make a massive difference in street. Yeah. People are just able to get higher speeds, so longer grinds, and just the rolls are easier because less distance. Yeah, I mean, especially when I first started riding 20 with 110s, um, I've never been someone who does like spins or flips. Uh, which I think generally introduce like jerkiness into the riding anyway, or like a little bit of a, like that sl- is obviously going to slow you down. Um, but when I first started riding a 20 with short cranks, it was like the thing I'd been looking for ever since I first started riding street on a unicycle. But coming from, especially coming from a BMX background, fuck, I talk about this a lot. Um, <laughs> coming from a BMX background, I've always been searching for like that speed and flow that it just doesn't really translate onto a unicycle. Yeah. Um, but when I started riding the 20 inch with short cranks, it was kind of almost there. And it just felt like that's what I was been aiming for the whole time I've been riding a yin. Yeah. Um, and I, I've actually even noticed it with you, Duncan, since you've been riding short cranks, even on like the bigger wheels and on the munis, mm. your riding style is a lot cleaner um, just with the short cranks. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely... Because you can spin a lot quicker without losing your balance for muni especially yeah because i've been so much faster yeah i've had a cadence meter on before and i was hitting 200 rpm going down a hill and if i was riding my 150s that'd been impossible yeah yeah 200 rpm that's insane dude yeah fuck it's almost like it's (laughs) taken us 20 years as a sport to go from all unis having like 170 cranks because that's just what bikes had um but obviously on a bike you're cranking a ratio that's far bigger than one to one, and now we're seeing that you can actually get really short cranks and 
as a as like a gear ratio. It's yeah. So much better in almost every way. And even the old arguments for kind of hill climbing on long cranks still exist, but only to a point. Like I don't know anyone that would really have cranks longer than one forty on any unicycle but it's ever the, now. It's the rhythm as well because what I found, especially like uphill Muni, you don't. If you have long cranks, yeah, you've got the leverage, but you can't. You can't keep that rhythm of spinning going. It's just like plodding. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. like half rev at a time. Yeah. I know exactly definitely. what you mean. Yeah. I, I know I've got one tens on my twenty four Muni now as well, and yeah, some people like when they see them, they're like, "What the hell?" But actually, for hill climbing, especially, I found it actually better. Yeah, it's a bit harder to pedal, but once you've got that rhythm going. It's easy to just keep rolling. Yeah, I just looked at the schlump to my left, um, 29 er schlump, and it's got 110s on at the moment, but yeah. I've not ridden it yet. I've just been building it. That is insane, though. <laughs> that sounds absolutely terrifying. Yeah, that sounds like pain. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll find out how that rides soon enough. Uh, yeah, while we're talking about 20 inches, though, it's we're talking about 20 inches and short cranks because we're all doing it. Um, and while 20 inches are definitely growing, the, the short cranks thing is definitely newer. And yeah. still needs to be explored a bit more in that like I'm really into it, Ed's really into it. I know Jack Seven is really into short cranks. He's riding a twenty two. Yeah, he's yeah. What he's cranks does he ride? Wave as fuck. Um he's running a twenty I think Jack Seven rides a twenty two inch on one two five cranks. Nice. And he says that that feels very similar to riding a twenty inch on one tenth. Yeah, I can imagine. Um I'm pretty sure I've read that. He's, so that's growing yeah. like, but Mimo is riding a 20 inch now, which is sick. Yeah. And I think he's going to do a lot in terms of people riding 20s because if Mimo can do what he's doing on a 20 and make yeah. it look that good as a case study for, for the concept, there's probably nothing better than that. Yeah. Um, but he's still riding 130 groovies, which are really nice cranks and for technical tricks, I can definitely see the advantage. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I also feel like if there was a groovy in like 118, 120. Hint, 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 Roger. Maybe it would be incredible. <laughs> the 118 Eiffels are there for that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they have the strength. Um, I mean, I'd, I don't know if we want to talk shit on product <laughs> on this podcast. Um, I mean. Um, I mean, I'm not affiliated with any brand. Personally, I don't think they have the strength that groovies have, but for a lot of people, they may well be fine. Yeah. I mean, I've got some 110 Eiffels, the new ones, um, and they're bent. Um, but that I've I've landed some very, well, not very big, but I've landed some big-ish drops. Yeah, like, you've landed heavy To well. flat, yeah, heavy yeah. on them. Um, you have them on your Muni for a bit as well. Uh, yes, I did, yeah. I've, I've actually got them on my Muni currently. Yeah, that that makes them... It might That might be what's twisted them, to be fair. Because I do bigger drops on the Muni than on my street. Yeah. Um, the torque's probably bigger as well because you're fighting y- against more of a speed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm surprised Mimo's on... I mean, it makes sense he's on the Groovies. And yeah. the technical shit that he does probably yeah. needs it. Um, I was going to ask, do you think that 20s are more popular now for street? Do you think that's going to mean 19s are going to become less popular um, I mean obviously for trials they're still the size to have yeah um, but do you think they're going to fall out of popularity a bit depends on this sort of how much you can bounce on them because I've not ridden a 20 um, since I learned so 
probably not the person to ask. But yeah, if you can still get the same amount of spring out of them, I reckon you can still. They'll they'll become nineteens will become obsolete in street. Because, and it's interesting because Mike street relies less on bounce anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mike managed one three three centimeter side hop in the week. It's on the STFU Insta if you haven't seen it. Go to the STFU Instagram and have a look. Um, and that was on a 20 inch with a QX tire. Yeah, the QX Cross <laughs> Trials tire on Mike's first ever ride on a 20 inch wheel. Yeah. Um, there's definitely potential there. And I, I don't know if there's much point speculating that hard against it, but I know that 20 inch use is going to increase. So the, the assumption might be that 19 inch use might decrease a bit. Or people might just have two units. Like, yeah, but it's it's might good. have a trials and a street slash flat. Unit. Actually, yeah, I guess so, because that uh, we're talking about very specific cases. Like yeah. Mike is very good at riding trials and side hops, but I'm very average at both trials and street, <laughs> and I'm still going to own a nineteen but at for a, trials. At a beginner level, I think it will be because right now, if you're getting into unicycling, and you want to buy a stuntable uni you buy a 19 inch mm. um, but in the future I think it, there'll be a question between whether you buy a 19 or a 20 for sure yeah and yeah. time goes on people will still buy starting out people will still buy 19s because they've got that bounce factor for trials and it's while they're still developing what they want to do they'll want that I guess but that's if your primary goal as somebody getting into extreme unicycling is bounce yeah but I'm saying they have the option then so they can still develop both and see which yeah. one they're more suited to. If they know they're going to do tricks, then yeah, they'll buy a twenty because you don't need to shave the tire and yeah. stuff. And all yeah. The reasons. And I guess like people that have developed their technique, hopping on a twenty is not going to be as hard as hopping on a twenty when you're a beginner because you develop that technique, you know how to time the bounce and stuff. That's yeah. I feel like that's a lot easier on a nineteen with a trials tire, um, and you kind of learn the techniques on a nineteen because it's a little bit easier yeah so maybe yeah maybe actually 19s still serve a very mm. like broad purpose yeah, do you reckon right now. 19s will be used still in flatland or do you reckon 20s is going to bleed into flatland that's an interesting I one I think I've got some thoughts about this um, <laughs> I think people are still going to ride 19 inches to flatland and they'll definitely still serve a purpose for what is kind of like the streety side of flatland, like power moves, uni spins, crank clips, etc. But that's all doable on a 20, technically. Ivo was riding um, a 20 in that video, wasn't he? Yeah, but Ivo rides like new gen yeah. flatland, yeah. where 20 inches is really, really useful. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't um, do like tyre bounce. So like the old school spinny flippy boys, I think are going to ride 19 for a while. But <clears throat> as flatland grows, it's interesting that we were talking earlier about the uh, the parallels between unicycling and BMX. Flatland unicycling is following a very similar progression to BMX flatland over the last 25 years or so. I don't know the time frame. Um, but if you watch an old school BMX flat video, people are hopping on the spot and they're doing like individual tricks that are linked yeah. by hopping. And we've kind of passed that in unicycling and went into rolls, etc., yeah, mm. and then the new gen is looking way, way more similar to like current BMX flatland, and it's very coasty, very 
kind of smooth and cyclical in its nature, like pattern based. Yeah. Um, Eva talks a lot about kind of symmetry in his combos and all of this crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand about that, but it's definitely moving to this place that's more kind of floaty and in my opinion is like more aesthetic than yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but I can't see power moves going anywhere for a while. No. I do very much enjoy like some of Pierre's foot jam mental yeah. combos mm. um, on a tyre which got like 12 PSI. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wonder what would happen though if they released something that was more similar to a BMX style shape in a 19 by 2.5 that just wasn't knobby. Yeah, like a bit of a slick. Yeah. Because like, that's why yeah. in the late noughties, early 2010s, all the Cox riders were shaving tyres and making like slick 20 inches. That's true. I, I've never, I haven't seen a shaved tyre in a long time actually. Mm. I wonder what happened to those. <laughs> I guess that 20 inch happened. Yeah. It's very expensive as well to be buying new tyres. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just angle grinding them. <laughs> <laughs> have yeah. you ever tried, sh have you, you must have shaved a tyre Simon. I don't like that judgment of my face. <laughs> no, I've never shaved a tire. I used to. It's fucking difficult. Try and buy all my tires secondhand because I didn't like having to wear them in. Uh, okay. Or have too much grip, but I never would like shave them down. I would just buy them quite worn where I could. Mm. I um, tried to shave a tire once, and I got like halfway through cutting one knob off and just gave up. Yeah. <laughs> it was so difficult. Mike's done quite a bit of um, fancy stuff with like cutting every other knob off a. Monty and stuff. Yeah. We'll talk to him about his trials process in another episode, hopefully. Yeah. Um, so, this is a bit of a rough transition. New carbon bases. I mean, I guess it's, it's really... Parts, yeah, it's yeah, all it's, about parts. It's all about parts. So we have to talk about the new carbon bases. Um, I mean, I first noticed it when carbon bases appeared on Instagram and I had like two followers. I was like, who the hell is this? And I thought it was just some noob who, fan account yeah yeah <laughs> carbon bases here um, carbon bases but it turns out it's an actual thing um, and it's a guy called Andre and I can't pronounce his surname I haven't got it written down in front of me um, working in collaboration with a bike company who make carbon shoes which is a crazy concept in itself they can't be very com uh, comfortable but um I can't remember the name of the bike brand. Um, okay. No. It oh, begins no, Mamo. With, it begins, yeah, that's it. Mamo. Ma yeah, Mamo Bikes. Or Mamo Carbon, I think. Yeah, Mamo Carbon. Um, and they're looking good. I've seen some development photos. And the setup Sunday last week on STFU was his setup with one of the new bases on. It looks nice. Um, there's a lot of people clamoring for carbon bases. So if they're good... Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens to see if they are like if they stand up to the test yeah I cannot express with words how much the unicycle scene needs really <laughs> strong carbon bases at a time like now um, yeah I mean they're literally gold dust if you have a carbon base to sell people like throw handfuls of money at you for them if you bought 10 bases from Axel in 2010 and kept them until now They'd be worth. It would have been one of 
probably would have been an investment better than gold, better than property. It than would have Lego. been. It would have been better than buying like Bitcoin. I yeah, mean, yeah, for sure. Now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you'd bought a carbon base, I paid eighty quid delivered for my carbon base from Axel in 2011. Uh, that's, that's a good and it's price. still in perfect condition and probably to the right person I could sell it for 200 because people really want this stuff yeah um, but I need to keep them because what do you reckon the good price for a brand new carbon base is because I think people would pay 150 to 200 pounds yeah you can basically name your price I think and yeah. people are going to pay it if yeah like anything more than that I would consider quite expensive but then I think about the experience I've had on my axle base where I bought it in 2011 and it's been the only seat I've ever needed since then. That's coming up for eight years. If I'd been riding plastic, I would have been buying a new seat for £50 every two weeks, maybe. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, You're breaking so that, that often. Do some maths, and carbon's definitely the way forward. Mm. And it's a very niche part. Um, I'm really hoping that Andres are mm. really good and help to serve that niche. Uh, and I think that for particularly niche parts like this, maybe super small batches like that are the way forward. Yeah. Um, but there are plans at the moment for Impact as well to be manufacturing something which is like a... I don't know the full details, so I can't talk about this and be fully knowledgeable. <laughs> um, but it's some type of carbon base that will come from factory with foam and cover... And I'm not sure if it's full carbon like we know carbon bases as or if it's like a carbon composite or something. Okay. But I really hope that's going to be a strong option as well. Yeah, I think obviously having no options at the moment to having yeah. two is just... Any increase in options is fucking good. Yeah, and obviously that's going to drive price as well. So yeah, um, I guess it's only a good thing. But yeah... Um, I don't know how long it's going to be until these OK ones are out. Yeah. Um, I feel, no I feel bad calling them OK bases. Oh, they're OK. It's fantastic bases. <laughs> yeah, these amazing bases. Okay. <laughs> Andre's bases. Um, but yeah, like hopefully they'll be out soon. Um, Andre, if you're listening, hit us up with a date. That'd be super good. And some samples, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll review them in the podcast yeah. for you. Um, Speaking of parts and demand and small companies, Ed. Yeah. Where might a unicyclist go if they were looking for some clothing that kind of suits their lifestyle? <laughs> well, you should probably look straight to STFU London. This oh, this sounds like such a cheesy advert. <laughs> um, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we just got a new batch of hats in. Um, so, I mean, this is separate from STFU. This podcast is not affiliated with STFU, but I happen to run STFU. Um, <laughs> and we've just got a new batch of hats in. Um, they are super warm if you haven't seen one um, find someone who has one and ask them to feel the inside of the hat because it is oh. they are insanely warm they're incredible yeah I mean I know you've had non-unicyclists buy them because their unicyclist friends yeah got them and saw how warm they were and were like well I'll be <laughs> yeah never have I ever seen a hat like this so yeah hit up the website stfu.london um got loads of new ones in stock we've also got kids unicycle life t-shirts in um so yeah if you're after some kids unicycle clothing um hit up stfu 
all the stuff is printed by me by hand. Um, it's not made in large batches, so usually once the stuff is sold and out of stock, that's it. Um, it unless I have a lot of demand for something, I won't do a print run twice because it's just not economically viable. Um, and yeah, it's all hand finished by me as well. Like the labels are put in by me. Uh, it's all finished by me. Um, so yeah, if you're interested um, in some unicycle clothing, they are sick and. By doing so, anything you do buy, instead of going to H&M or wherever you might buy a hat, every penny you spend goes towards uh, a unicycle community-based initiative that's working on building the community in the UK and abroad, actually. Yeah. Um, everything goes back into the videos we make, the events we run etc etc yeah i mean it's completely non-profit yeah. um the money doesn't go to me i make this i make the gear and i spend all my time doing it but uh, the money goes straight back into the community um yeah like simon said it it licenses the music for the videos yeah. um it helps like hire stuff like the venue for the stfu trials event um and also um I've com- the website. Yeah, that's it's it. Website fees. Like I said, I've completely forgotten what. Yeah, there's a <laughs> yeah. lot of costs associated with it, um, and we plow that all straight back in, um, just because we want more people to ride with. Really, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. want some new mates. <laughs> <laughs> Buy our hat. Help us make friends. <laughs> um, no, yeah. The the end goal really is to grow the unicycle community, because um, unicycling is fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and we can make some sick stuff. Will you be way. taking some to EUC? Yeah, and, um, that's a very good. Yeah, we'll I'll, we'll be taking stuff to EC Winter. So if you're at EC Winter, hit me up. I won't be overtly selling stuff because um, I hate going on the hard sell. <laughs> I feel like if you want it, you'll come and find me. Um, but yeah, if you want some stuff, um, that sounds dodgy as hell. Come and <laughs> come and talk to me, and yeah, we'll sort you out. We'll also be at EC, the European Championships, um, and obviously the STFU Trials event. Um, I'm, I'll have a full. I'll, I'm not going covert there. There's going to be a whole a whole stall of stuff for sale. So, um, which leads me on to the UK Trials Championships. Mm. Yeah. Um, we've got loads of stuff happening in the UK this year. We thought that. Uh, by planning everything in advance it would give people enough notice to plan in advance and go to as many rides as possible Um, so we've got all the STFU monthly rides are pre-planned right up to December 2019 Um, so get onto the STFU website and have a look at the calendar or the Union of UK Unicyclists website or unicycle.com UK as well same calendar on each of those sites and it's got all the UK rides all the urban rides anyway um, mm. and it's got some uni events on as well um, uh, yeah yeah all the British Muni weekends are on there too yeah um, so yeah all the monthly rides are on there but also we've got the UK trials championships which we're holding for the second year now there's been a bit of a lull in the UK in events for the past five years um, the last okay. British Unicycle Convention was... 2013. Yeah, 2013 in Cardiff. And that was the last trials... Well, it was the last any competition for anything. It was the last main event until the BMW started up again in 2015 or 2016. Yeah, I think yeah. it was 2015. But then it started properly doing monthly or bi-monthly rides yeah. only last year, I think. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, so we we thought that rather than trying to do like a British unicycle convention where we've got the competitions for everything, or an urban competition where we're doing like street trials and flat, we just start small, concentrate on one discipline. Um, and to me, trials is the easiest because that's what I'm most familiar with. So. And we've got the venue, which is uh, Radical Bikes in Essex, which is near London. It's an incredible venue. Very, very good venue. It's the best, might even be the only trials park in the UK. <laughs> um, big ups, Tom and Molly, Radical Bikes fam. Um, probably never going to hear this, Molly. but I cannot Molly. express how cool those guys are. Very, very supportive of unicycling. Yeah. And um, a like anything with wheels that's fun, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so basically the same as us. Um, <laughs> we've got this amazing venue at Radical Bikes. The trials course is insane, and it is perfect because we can just take a few pallets along and alter it. Um, and, yeah, we just spend a weekend there, have loads of fun riding unions. We have a trials competition. Um, we do a speed trials competition. We do a trials eliminator competition. Um, and then we do a high jump and a long jump and then some stupid unicycle games in the yeah. evenings. Um, but this year we're planning on doing um, like a unicycle flea market as well. So we're going to have like secondhand. Anyone can bring their unicycle, their old unicycle parts along if you want to sell them. Um, doesn't cost anything. Just come along, bring them um, and put them in the flea market. Um, and we're going to have a barbecue. We had a free barbecue last year, which is included in the ticket price. So... Um, Tickets on sale now? Yeah, tickets are on sale now if you're interested. Until, they're um, uh, cheap until when? Yeah, so we're doing tiered tickets this year. Um, try and get people to register early. Yeah. Um, so the cheapest tier is on sale now until the 28th of February. Um, so end of February, ticket prices go up a tier. And then the end of March, they go up again. And then end of April, they go up again. So yeah, if you're interested, you want to come, um, talk to if you're uh, if you know Tim Desmet or Ruth Seegers um, or who else came along last Mark year? Fabian. Mark Fabian came along Mark last Taylor. year. Um, yeah, talk to them. They'll tell you how good the event was. Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll see as many people as possible yeah. there. Um, it'd be really good to get a lot of European riders along. Yeah. Um, camping, good yeah, times. camping, good times, barbecue. Planning drinks, on having some live entertainment. Very open. Yeah, barbecue. We're very, um, we're very uh, family friendly as well. So we've got family tickets for sale uh, to make it a bit cheaper if you've got like a couple of kids in the family that ride, or even one kid, um, yeah. and you want to come along, but you don't want to pay. Like you don't want to buy a rider ticket for everyone. And um, so, yeah, we've got that as well. Um, Fully non-rider friendly as well. Yeah, I mean, even if you don't ride, it's going to be a really good weekend of just camping and chilling. This year, we're hoping to have some live entertainment. Um, I haven't got a band confirmed yet, but we're thinking about getting a band on the Saturday night. Um, and yeah. It's going to be a good end. Yeah, mm. so get on the SCFU website and check that out. Um, there's loads of unicycle events happening this year. Um I mean, we've got there's two EUCs. EUC Summer is in the UK as well. UK smashing events this year, um, and we've got EUC Winter coming up in February, uh, which is in Cologne. Which I didn't think was going to happen, but then it suddenly happened. It suddenly yeah. happened. Something in Costa Rica as well. Bigger. It? Yeah. It happened in Costa Rica as well. Two an EUC. Yeah. On that part of the world, and an EUC in Europe. Yeah. Um, 
I'm buzzing. I think this will be year. my seventh consecutive EEC winter. You're an EEC um, OG. <laughs> even then, I'm a few years behind the curve. Yeah, true. I think, yeah, a lot of guys have been there all every year. I think Lara Bynes, pick up Lara Bynes, has been <laughs> going every year for like 10 years. Mark Fabian's Whoa. been every year for 10 yeah. years or so. It's a mad one. True OGs. Yeah. But yeah, get along to... Oh, well, you can't. It's fully booked. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can't get along to EUC Winter, you should definitely come to EUC Summer, which is in the UK. Yes. Um, we haven't... Oh, we need to get our asses in gear with this. Um, <laughs> tickets are on sale now, though. Uh, we've teamed up with EJC, um, which is obviously the same time, same venue. Um, and it's going to be really good because the audience that we're going to get out to is going to be massive in the in the juggling scene yeah um so hopefully we can like steal some some jugglers if you haven't been to an ec at an ejc before it's not an entirely new concept um it's been done in the summer a couple of times before the most recent i can think of is 2013 in toulouse yeah and it was really really good in that obviously we know unicycling is very small um, but it's an opportunity to kind of peg unicycling to an event with the infrastructure for an event with several thousand people. Like, yeah. way bigger than the Unicon in terms of the full event. Um, so, like, camping's great, food's great, general facilities are great, organisation's great, and the vibe is generally very, very similar um, because the juggling community is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, a lot of jugglers happen to unicycle as well, and mm. not all of those jugglers have been exposed to <laughs> yeah. cool stage. unicycling. It's like um, an education. So, <laughs> yeah, like the, the potential is really, really big. And you can either come for a weekend uh, for EUC or buy a combined ticket that includes access to EJC and EUC and come for the week preceding I think yeah I think it's preceding yeah. come for the whole week before mm. and it's basically the length of a unicom it's the 30-11th EJC which I is think. great and then yeah. EUC is just this is... the 7th-11th I think yeah um, yeah so you can buy a combined ticket or just come for the EUC I think having it combined with EJC just makes a lot of the things that are usually a pain in the arse to organise for a standalone event happen yeah. automatically like mm-hmm. having things like camping, toilets, showers, all the boring logistical stuff like that is taken care of. Yeah, um, you know, unions like just have time or money to organise. Yeah, yeah, so as the as part of the organising team, all we have to worry about really is the competitions and like the actual riding element. Yeah, um, and then the publicity, which is we're doing now, I guess, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is really cool. Which means we can concentrate more on. Um, like yeah like the course Um, so we're planning on having a really cool street course and stuff and speaking of the riding um, like the courses we have three huge warehouses Um, it is obviously in England so the possibility that it might rain is quite high even though it's August Um, I hope the weather will be good yeah I hope it's going to be good it's midsummer so we've got the best chance of good weather Um, but yeah we've got these three huge warehouses so if it rains it's literally going to make zero difference to the amount of riding that we can get done. Um, so we've got like three halls, which in principle means we can have like street trials and flat simultaneously in each one. 
um, so you can be riding like one of the courses. I don't know if that's how it's going to work out uh, in real life because the number of like pallets and stuff that we can get hold of might not be enough to have like a street course set up at the same time as a trials course. Yeah. But because, the potential's there. Yeah, full details will appear over the coming months, but generally speaking, it's going to be sick. You should um, definitely come. Really easy to get to, and it's immediately after EC. So if you're Europe-based, you can basically plan two weeks of unicycle events. Yeah. And if you're not Europe-based, there's more of a reason to come to Europe you for two weeks. Just come for a two-week holiday, go to EC, and then come to EUC. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm running jumps at EC, so I'll be at EC until the 4th, because that goes until the 4th of August. Um, and then EUC actually starts on the... Th well, EJC starts on the 3rd of August. Um, and I think there's going to be a squad of us coming from EC to EUC. I think there was talk at one point of booking like a coach bus thing to shuttle people between <laughs> the two. But don't hold me to that. Yeah, I mean... It. Yeah. Somebody might. I'm planning on going in a van, so I'll, I'm happy to cram as many people as we can into the van to come back to the UK. Um, but yeah, it should be. A, it's, that's going to be a good two weeks, anyway. Yeah. Um, and that's all I've got written down on my list. Yeah, I think perhaps uh, we should wrap up there for the first podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like have, we've, have, do we have a timer on? Yeah, uh, we're on 50, 58 minutes. Just well, roll over. Two minutes of wrap up, and we've done a perfect hour. Yeah. Well done, lads. <laughs> so yeah, um, I mean, I feel like it's been a bit rambly, but I think podcasts just are that. Yeah, I have no idea what we've spoken about, really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to this to figure out what we yeah. spoke about. So, yeah, if you enjoyed the podcast, um, this should go up on SoundCloud, so you can subscribe to the SoundCloud account. Um, yeah. As I said at the beginning, we're probably going to make it downloadable, so you can repeat this uh, verbal diarrhea to your heart's content. Um, yeah, uh, but, so we're going to do some more. Hopefully, we'll have some different stuff to talk about. Yeah. And let us know what you think, because we basically have no idea what we're doing, <laughs> but we like to listen to people chat crap. And if, uh, if you're like us, then you probably love talking about unicycling, so give us some ideas for topics, yeah, yeah. and we can discuss them in the next one. Um, yeah, and tell us your thoughts. And if you're a freestyler, let us know what <laughs> the mentality of competitions is like, because we may have made some sweeping statements that we'll have to issue an apology for. Yeah. <laughs> Please just keep the profanity to a minimum. <laughs> um, but yeah, happy to take on board any feedback. Yeah. I think is what we're so. saying. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Peace out, dudes. Adios.